There's an old saying. The saying goes something like this. The nail that sticks out gets hammered down. You know, one of the interesting things you learn as you grow up is that there are a lot of people in your life who do not want you to succeed. There's a lot of people in your life who do not want you to do well. So you work hard. You gain a few victories in life. And the first people to put you down are your own family. Don't forget where you came from, boy. Don't forget your raising, boy. Because they know if you did something well, then that means they could do something well if they just put in the work. And it's easier to drag you back down than it is to step up and do the work. You do something well, your friends won't like you anymore. Uh, They'll be jealous, they'll be petty, and they'll try to pull you back down to the mediocrity of the group. A nail that sticks out gets hammered. You know what else happens with a nail that sticks out? Someone will hang a hat on you. Have you ever heard that phrase, that old saying? Well, there's something you can hang your hat on. Okay, you have heard something that is true. There's something that you can count on, and that's something you can hang your hat on. In old houses, when you walked in the front door, there was a nail of some kind hanging on the post there, and you would hang your hat there. So it would be there when you walked out the door. But it became something that you learned to count on. There is something about a nail that you can hang your hat on. Which kind of explains us, doesn't it? We don't want to be the friend that causes everybody else to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be the friend that makes everybody else jealous. We don't want to put up with any more stuff from our family. So we don't want to be the nail that sticks out. And we certainly don't want to be the nail that God counts on. We don't want to be the nail that God hangs his hat on, we would rather hide in the mediocrity of the group. Oh, wait a minute. We still want the miraculous as long as we can still be average. But if you want the miraculous, you got to be a nail that sticks out. Like Philip And this story that we find in the eighth chapter of Acts, stand with me in honor of God's word. We'll begin reading with verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, the desert road. So he got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. Now, he had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. The spirit told Philip, go join yourself to that chariot. And When Philip ran up to it, he heard the Ethiopian reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said to him, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, 
I ask you, who is this prophet saying this about himself or someone else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that very scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, they came to water. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So we ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized him. And they come up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. For Philip appeared in Azotos. He was traveling and preaching the Gospels all the way up the coast till he came to Caesarea. Who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that very scripture. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. There are a lot of people like this Ethiopian in his chariot who struggle, who ask questions, but can't find the answers. And I know. You're short, Phillips. You need more people who would be willing to go, to go anywhere, to have the chance to to tell someone about who you are, beginning with wherever they want to start. So we pray, Father, as we will be dismissed from this worship services in just a few minutes, that you will find in us all the Phillips you need. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Sometimes the plan of Jesus doesn't make any sense. Okay, it doesn't. Now let's understand what was going on. The first two stories we have of deacons after their election in Acts chapter 6, the first two stories we have of deacons in Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, the deacons are preaching. It's not stories about how well they took care of the orphans and how well they took care of the widows of the church. The story is about Stephen, the one who's introduced as being full of the Spirit, preaching. The next story is about Philip, preaching. Now, when Stephen was murdered, the church began to scatter. Philip went to Samaria, north of Jerusalem. He began to preach the gospel. People began to respond to the gospel. A lot of people began to respond to the gospel, so much so that Jerusalem heard about the revival that was breaking out in in Samaria, and they sent John and Peter to check out what Philip was doing to validate the ministry, and they did. And Samaria is exploding with the work of the Spirit. Right in the middle of that, God calls Philip away. Why? This doesn't make any sense. We're smoking here in Samaria. We gotta strike while the iron's hot. Why are you pulling me away? Secondly, why are you pulling me away to the middle of nowhere? If you go to the Holy Land, if you go on a tour, you will not see this place. No one will take you there. No one goes there now. If you stand at the place where we think Philip may have had this conversation, you can look as far as you want to to the west and far as you want to to the east, and you will see nothing both ways. 
Now understand how desolate this area is where Philip is sent. And when he, and when he gets there, he sees an entourage. He sees the, the chariot and the soldiers protecting that chariot. And when he sees the chariot, the Spirit says, go join that man in the chariot. Now, whenever I read this passage, I understand that you guys don't either, one, you don't pay attention to it, or you have no sense of humor. This is a funny, funny story. Now, get the story. This Ethiopian royalty, dressed to the nines, rings, bracelets, gold, everything. He's in this chariot. He has a scroll unrolled in his lap. And he's reading out loud Isaiah, most likely from the Hebrew. He's reading, trying to understand this passage. Now understand, he's been in Jerusalem worshiping. And he's been told by everybody there and by everything there that because of his physical makeup, he will never be able to be received into the presence of God. Everything about Jerusalem has told him you will never belong. And now he's studying and he's frustrated. As we get frustrated trying to make sense of the suffering service, uh, servant passages because they're so rich, they're so deep, and he's struggling, and, he's, and in some way he's silently praying, Lord, help me understand what I'm reading, and jogging next to his chariot is Philip. He doesn't say, where do you come from? What are you doing out of here? Philip asked him, heard you reading Isaiah. You understand it? How can I understand this unless someone else tells me what it means? I happen to know what it means. Now, what are the odds that you would be going from Jerusalem to Gaza and happen to run into the one man who understood the suffering servant passages of Isaiah and beginning right with that story, Philip leads him to Jesus Christ. So much so that the first time the Ethiopian sees water, he demands that Philip baptizes him. Why? Because the word of God is to the ends of the earth. Africa is now being reached with the gospel. Do you know that this part of Africa that this man was from was in the slang of Jerusalem known as the ends of the earth. There's Egypt and there's all that other, that's the ends of the earth. And now the gospel is being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Could you do that? Could you sit down at a table at your favorite coffee shop and see somebody reading a Bible and ask them, what are you reading? And wherever they were, could you take that story to the story of Jesus Christ? Could you lead them to the gospel? We read the Bible, sure. Did you read your Bible daily? Yes, check. But we read the Bible to feel better. Okay, it's like a, a, a little vitamin pill, a little aspirin or something. Makes you feel better. You're worried about your day, you're anxious, you find that favorite passage. Don't be anxious in anything. Okay, we read the same passage of the Bible about 40 times. 
but we don't ever study the scripture in anticipation that we will one day be in a conversation where we will have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ. We are never ready for that moment. And guess what? We're never given that moment. If you're not ready for it, Jesus isn't going to put you in it. Okay? Jesus never puts more on you than you can bear. Remember that passage? He never gives you more than you can handle on the other side of that easy. I have friends. They have the gift of evangelism. They have the craziest stories. Uh, they'll tell you about, you know, Mike, I was on an airplane, sat down, this guy sat down next to me and he saw me reading my Bible and says, do you believe that? I had the most wonderful time. We've talked about Jesus all the way to Detroit. I was getting my coffee one morning, my favorite little place, and the guy says, you're in here all the time. I said, where are you coming? He said, well, I said, over here and read my Bible. Why do you read the Bible? What? Let me... I'm now discipling that young man. Every time I go in and get my coffee, isn't that wonderful? I don't have... You know why I don't have those stories? Because when I get on an airplane, I put on my earphones. I put my book up and I give you this look like go somewhere else and sit. <laughs> don't come. Don't come sit next to me. Oh, y'all do the same thing. <laughs> right? Don't bother me. And guess what? I'm not bothered. nail that sticks out gets hammered down nail that sticks out gets a hat put on it but we'd rather be mediocre right we don't want to upset our friends or make anybody feel bad so we'll just stay average but let's be honest, none of us in this room want to be in a position where God would call on us. We don't want to be the nail that sticks up that gets hammered down, but we certainly don't want to be the nail that gets a hat hung on it. You wouldn't want to have to go to the desert road and explain from the suffering servant passages who Jesus is. Could you pick up the conversation no matter what question is being asked and then lead that person to the gospel? It costs a lot to be able to do that. In a few minutes, we will come to the Lord's table and you will be reminded of what Jesus paid for you. But you know what else you'll be reminded of? what it will cost you to come. The disciples asked Jesus one time, can we ask you a favor? And Jesus said, sure. And they said, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on either side of you, one on the right, one on the left. Jesus' answer, can you drink the cup that I drink? So you'll take the bread and you'll remember Jesus died for you and you'll be asked the question, will you die for him? You'll take the cup 
And you'll see the blood that fell from his hands and poured from his side. And if you stare at the cup long enough, you'll see your own reflection. And you'll remember what it cost Jesus and what it will cost us. So as the deacons now prepare to serve you, use these moments to prepare your own heart for the receiving of the Lord's Supper. And as you do, you remember what Christ paid for you. And you remember what it will cost us to follow.